All right, guys. Um, happy first time of May, I guess. It's not the first of May, <laughs> but it is the second of May, um, 2018. And I am joined by my friend Bill. And when I met Bill, I met him at WMC Fest, which they host. Um, Go Media is the company that Bill owns and he, or is the president of and run and it's, we're going to get the whole story today. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, they host WMC Fest. And I was, I rode around in a truck with Bill trying to get to the, um, the bowling alley where WMC Fest was. And I think I distracted him. I was asking him way too many questions, but I was enthralled. And I just am really um, amazed at people who can scale. And so this whole month, we're talking about scaling your business because I think it has to do something I have a hard time with. And maybe some of y'all do also is I have a hard time letting some things go that um, I know I can take care of all these things and I can do these things. I, I'm not a great accountant, but I can do the minimum that I need to do, but it's all the hats that I have to wear, but I have to actually let go of some something. And one thing that I think is so great about Bill is that he has been running this company and I didn't know exactly Bill, how long so I said over 15 years I'm pretty sure that's correct uh, yeah uh, so it's it had a, a few different slight iterations but I like to say 20 years in business because okay. uh, in 1997 I graduated college and moved into my dad's house moved into a bedroom and opened up shop okay. so, so yeah so over 20 years I like to say that too so I, I'm a year older than you I think <laughs> so right. I think it, anyway but that he still gets to design and illustrate is something that most owners don't do. And when I heard this, that he still was doing design, I was blown away because they have had, their company's been much larger. It's been small, him and just one other guy. And then it's been, um, now it's about eight people or that's how many people's on your website. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think we'll be at like uh, nine or 10 and, a month or two. So but. just so you know, Carly, who I also met at WMC Fest, she's yeah. in Cleveland. So she's here today. And Amy um, Lyons from North Carolina as well. She's in Raleigh, just so Josh, so you know. All right. So we're just going to jump in. And my um, uh, page is here. So just really glad everybody's here. Thank you. And another Jason is here. So just tell us where you're calling in from. That would be great. Um, <laughs> there are too many Jasons for sure. And so I just want to, so Bill actually gave me this book and it's a book he wrote and it's fabulous. I really, I love to read. So, so Jason Craig is a big reader. So Jason, you should pick this up, but there's pictures in it too, people. If people are really not so sure about all just reading, but he wrote me a great thing. Thank you for signing it. But there's stuff all throughout that I was, I wrote in it. Hopefully that's okay. Um, but I have so many things tabbed and so there's so many things. I feel like you could be here the whole month and I would still not get everything answered that I wanted to get answered, but we're going to get started. So give us, um, and Jason said he's in that book. Um, so give us yeah. a little, little bit of an idea cause you were entrepreneurial from really early on. Yeah. So, um, and I don't know where this comes from. This part of my personality and my passion and just what I do. I don't know where it comes from because my parents certainly did not go out of their way to instill business or entrepreneurship in me. They, uh, um, uh, they weren't business people. They weren't running their own businesses. I really don't know where this came from. 
my parents did do a, just like a couple of things that I don't know if it influenced or not, but um, you know, whenever I wanted something big, like as a kid and I wanted like a bike or something, my mom would always say, I'll go 50, 50 with you on it. You have to earn half the money. I'll put in half the money. You can go buy your bike. So I don't know if that kind of got me into an early state of mind of like, I need to figure out how to make money. Also, my parents wouldn't pay me an allowance, like a set amount, but I would occasionally be able to convince them to pay me to do some chores. So maybe that put me into an entrepreneurial frame of mind. I'm not sure like, okay, I can't get allowance, but dad, will you give me five bucks if I mow the lawn? Yes. Great. Okay. I got to save up more to get that bike that I want. So, um, but yeah, I, um, when I was like, I don't know, 12 or 13, I started like a, a called a landscaping business. I just mowed people's lawns on my street and it was not a big deal. But the only thing significant about it that I can recall is that I, they were, I had regulars. So they would leave me an envelope with $7 in it in their mailbox. Um, and I would just push my family lawnmower down the street, mow their lawn, collect my $7. And I did that like every two weeks and I had two consistent customers. And so, you know, I was doing that at that age. Of course, I, you know, like any young kid, had my share of lemonade stands and all that kind of stuff. And then um, uh, I just had a couple of instances where um, I would go apply for a job. Like I think I went and applied for a job at like a pizza hut to be like a pizza maker, I guess. And then through the interview process, for whatever reason, the manager of the pizza hut was like, this bill's got a little more to offer than making pizzas. So he's like, how would you like to be a shift manager? And I'm like, well, that sounds more prestigious. So sure. So I found myself into various uh, positions where I was in some sort of a management role. Mm -hmm. um, early. Call it early. Yeah, yeah, fairly early. And then um, I had a summer in, in college where I couldn't get my schedule to match up, my work schedule to match up with my girlfriend's work schedule. And I needed to figure out something to do during the day to make money. And I had an older friend that explained to me a little entrepreneurial business you can start that's pretty simple. And it's seal coating blacktop driveways. Basically, you go to Home Depot, you buy buckets of this tar stuff. It's totally disgusting, nasty, toxic. And you get a big broom and you just brush it on driveways. And so I created Beachy Blacktop. I made a little flyer for myself. I wrote a paragraph saying I was a college student looking to make money for the summers. And I would just go out and flyer the neighborhood for, you know, a day. And by the time I got home after flying her in the neighborhood, I usually had about, I don't know, five, six, seven messages of people wanting to hire me. And so I did this for an entire summer and I made more money than I'd ever made in my life up to then. And um, so I think, you know, um, that, that kind of sealed it. But, you know, I'll go back to an instance I had when I was 14 years old and I don't know what spawned this, but. When I was 14 years old, I pre-visioned Go Media almost to a T. I imagined that I was going to own an art company, that we were going to be in a redesigned old warehouse, that we were going to be somewhere near downtown Cleveland, and that you know we were going to be doing design and illustration. And I knew at 14 years old that's what was going to happen. So, um, and then I did it. And you know, having watched so many of my friends go through college and literally graduate college with advanced degrees, and then get out of school and go yeah, I don't know if this is really what I, do, what I want to do with my life. I recognize that I am very lucky in the fact that somehow I knew my whole life who I was going to be and what I was going to do. And I did it and I enjoyed it. And it certainly was not always easy, but I did it. So, so, so take us back. You graduate, you go to college for graphic design. 
Uh, so I started, I started in fine arts Okay. and I just didn't jive well with the fine artists. It was just, it's a different kind of a discipline, you know, uh, design ergonomics and what eventually became my major, which was industrial design. It's, 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 it's art, you know, applied in a, in a scientific way. Uh, sure. There is some subjectivity to it, but there's also a lot of science behind what we're doing, especially when you talk about ergonomics and user interface design and communication and that sort of thing. So um, I just didn't drive well with those. So I, and then I went into psychology for one quarter because I just like, I'm very introspective and I, I like, I like, I like human psychology. It's very interesting to me. Um, but then I real then I, I figured out that the math requirements for psychology are way beyond whatever I wanted to do. So I, I looked into what else um, other people that I admired that were artists had studied and a comic book artist that I'm a huge fan of studied industrial design. So I said, well, let me look into this. And Ohio State had a great industrial design department. So I went through that, got that degree. And then, yeah, when I graduated, I basically didn't even look for a job. I just called my dad and said, hey, I want to start a business. Can I move back home? Will you let me stay with you for free? He said, of course. That was a key part of the business plan is free, free board, basically, um, or free room. And um, so I moved in with my dad and opened up shop. All right. So you were alone um, uh -huh. doing the shop. So was it called mm -hmm. Go Media at that time? No, it was Graphic Odysseys. Okay. But that is where the Go and Go Media comes from. G, Graphic, O, Odysseys, Go. Uh -huh. Okay. Uh -huh. So how long did you do that before you got a partner? And why did you think you needed a partner? Because again, that's a, another part of scaling, right? Sure. Sorry, you know, I wasn't on the questions. Um, you know, at the time that I was trying to build my business, I watched several friends start and scale their businesses much faster than I was. And they had partners. And that was it. Somewhere in my brain, I was like, I need a partner too. They scaled, they had partners. Maybe if I get a partner, I'll scale. Um, and how long was it? Um, it was probably about two and a half, three years on my own before um, I brought Wilson on board. Okay, so one of the things, and I don't know if this is from me and you talking or if this is in the book. So it's, I just hear your voice when you're reading yeah. or when you're uh -huh. reading. You're not reading to me every sure, night. Sure. Right. <laughs> he calls me from Cleveland. <laughs> okay, here we're going to go to chapter 18. Um, but you have told me in one of those two forums that, um, you know, you – didn't know how to do it and you thought it would be different. You would do it different. You didn't think um, you needed, which I think is, is wisdom. Now looking back, you wish you had had a mentor, wish you, you sure. know, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, because I had been a bit of a serial entrepreneur and because I have a bit of a passion for business systems and money, bookkeeping, cash flow statistics, metrics, all these things, because I was, I liked that stuff in my mind. I, and, and um, I think that through the years of working for other people that I would always see what other people were doing and be like, I can do it better than that. Mm -hmm. I just assumed that I had all the answers. I assumed that somehow out of the gate at, you know, 22 years old or whatever, I was going to be able to just build this business and I was going to correct every 
mistake that every other, you know, owner was making and that I, I could do it all. And that was false. <laughs> um, there's so much to learn. Um, and I just learned most of it through trial and error. Later on, much, much later on, I ended up taking some business courses. Um, but yeah, if I could do it all over again, you know, it's like the book you're reading, right? If only I had had that book 12 years earlier so I could read about all the mistakes I made. And that's partially one reason why I wrote that book. And it, there's biography to it, but um, I try and actually talk through nitty gritty details about how we do things. Um, and I'm still learning. You know, I probably need to write an abridged version or a, a, a next version of that book. But, but yeah, I mean, man, really, if I could remap my entire career of starting my own business, I probably should have graduated college and gone and worked for a successful firm. And I should have cozied up to the owner and I should have asked him if I could sit in on all of his sales meetings. I should have looked at all of his documents. I should have drilled him about how he markets, how he gets clients. I should have done that first and then opened up my own shop with that knowledge, you know, but I didn't, I just literally went out, sold one project, did the project and then went out and sold another project and did that project. So how did you, I mean, you had been selling, you had kind of understood who audience was from the time in college or maybe even, cause I think you sold candy even as a kid, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like at school. I mean, so you kind of already had just this innate sense of there are certain people who are going to buy from me and then there's certain people who aren't. And well, I mean, I've always been a good communicator. Mm -hmm. um, gaining the confidence uh, took a long time. And I really didn't know who customers were. And I didn't know how to get customers, honestly. I mean, it literally started with my friends. Mm. I mean, um, it was just like talking to my buddies like, oh, hey, uh, you guys need some design work? Like friends and family is actually the number one place you need to start. Just network through your family, network through your friends, and th those will be your first customers. Um, so no, I didn't. I didn't at first. Again, I think I, I think I, I have, I have a knack for communicating with people and I think I have a relatively good personality for selling. Um, but you come at it not super salesy. You come at it like, hey, how can I help you make this better? Because you did stuff for bands. A lot of people do stuff for bands. Yeah. So there was, you got to scratch your itch of illustration and design. And then you also were helping them. And then it was word of mouth. A lot of people saw your work and then they wanted to, they wanted a piece of you. Right. Um, yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So um, what would you tell, like if you were thinking of three things that you would tell yeah. somebody not to do as they're starting now, this is different right. ages of people because most of the people that come have some sort of side gig or they're working full time for themselves or like Jason Craig, he has part time. He works for um, a music festival and then part time he does his own thing. So yeah. people are all over, but what would you tell what would be, I mean, there's so many tips in the book, sure. people, so many, which is amazing. Um, so three, three things. Um, one, uh, don't not ask for help or mm. ask for help. So, 
you know, most business owners, um, well, I shouldn't say that. You can find business owners that are willing to share their information with you. And, and the truth of the matter is, you know, if you're learning from any service-based business owner, they don't even need to be graphic designers, guys that are running lawnscaping companies or asphalt seal coating companies or web development companies or, you know, whatever, if it's a service-based company, they're, they're, you know, dealing with the same challenges that you have and books and classes and webinars and everything you can do like study, mm -hmm. you know, uh, you know, one thing you can do is put together like a little um, board, like, you know, five, find like four to six business owners that you think you can learn from and ask them if they'd be willing to meet with you once every three months or something like that. And then you just take them out for a free, you know, beer and wings or lunch or whatever you want to do. And then you just sit, sit around for an hour and while you're feeding them and you drill them with questions and they give you answers and those insights are huge. You know, again, I, I didn't do that. I just assumed I had all the answers and I just went at it without asking anyone to tell me how this should be done properly. And, um, there was just lots of wasted time, money, and lots of mistakes being made. Um, the second thing is I think most people starting out do not focus enough of their time and attention on their marketing and their sales. You know, we're graphic designers. We like to design. Mm -hmm. We're happiest when we're sitting at our computers doing the work. And unless you have uh, a steady stream of marketing material, marketing material going out, a steady stream of leads coming in for you and someone to handle those sales, your work is going to dry up because mm -hmm. you're spending all your time designing. So you need to know that that piece of your business needs to be running 24 seven without with or without you. It needs to keep happening on a regular basis. Uh, so doing that. And then the last thing, and this is something I'm, I'd say, I, I recognize the power of this more and more in the last couple of years, which is, you know, have more of a strategic plan for your business. So, and GoMedia still does a bad job of this. It's one thing to say, hey, I, I'm a designer. I'm taking all comers, right? Mm -hmm. That's a pretty weak business strategy. Mm -hmm. You know, here's a better business strategy. I live in Cleveland, Ohio, and there's a lot of hospitals. It's one of the biggest healthcare providers in, in the world. There's a lot of money in healthcare. There's a lot of money in hospitals. Here's another business plan that's slightly more sophisticated. What if I'd be a design firm for the healthcare industry, right? Mm. Here, here's, here's maybe even a stronger one. I'm going to be a product branding specialist for the healthcare industry in Cleveland, Ohio. Now you've defined a market. That market's got money. You can start to make inroads and connections to that. You can customize your marketing to that industry. I mean, you, you got to think more strategically about your business, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, and sometimes people feel like, and maybe you felt like this in the beginning, that if I narrow it down, I'm going to, I'm not going to get enough work to, and I think when you're in the beginning, you do take stuff from all over, but you also have to look at it. And then the more strategic you can get, the better you are at, at solving the problems for that industry because you know those customers, you know those clients, you know their customers' customers, sure. right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, certainly what I've found is, you know, if you do good work, even if you kind of 
market yourself in a particular way to a particular set of people, the others will come in anyways, mm -hmm. you know? Um, but again, I think part of that has to do with long-term profitability. Mm -hmm. So it's easy to cast a wide net early on. It feels like that's the prudent thing to do. And you might be able to get the business going in that way. But to, we're talking about scaling, you know, and mm -hmm. growth here. Being the jack of all trades designer, you're competing against so many other jack of all trades part people, right? Mm -hmm. And then when you're when you are in that meeting, so when you are that jack of all trades mm -hmm. designer, and then you end up with the opportunity where the Cleveland Clinic has called you in to pitch. Guess what? You're going to lose to me because my website says that I focus on the healthcare industry. And when I talk to the Cleveland Clinic, I'm going to mm -hmm. explain to them that I did 20 other projects for the healthcare industry. And I know their pains mm -hmm. and I know how to deliver a solution that's better. And then I can charge a lot more and have a much higher profit margin because I'm a specialist, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm not saying GoMeet even does this today. I'm just saying there's power in strategy. And you need to kind of sit down and think a little bit about your strategy. So it's not always necessarily what you, I don't think you came out of college being like, you know, I really want to work in the healthcare industry. I don't think anybody <laughs> maybe goes and thinks that unless they're trying to be a doctor. But I also think it's seeing where there's opportunities because that's what an entrepreneur does because you can't just say, hey, I want to design gig posters. You can, but there's not a lot of money in it. You're going to be making money some other way. And, and you this, might. Yeah. And so this is huge. Um, when I say think strategically, I'm not necessarily saying that the strategy needs to be around getting rich or making a lot of money. Right. I mean, I'm very philosophical about life and money and these sorts of things. And you get to decide what your course in life is and how you define success. Mm -hmm. Success for you might be designing gig posters every day. But it's important to also have a realistic perspective on what these different market, these, these strategic choices that you make, how they're going to impact your business. Mm -hmm. You know, at Go Media, we always love to draw. We always love to be artists. And we wanted to do those things. And so within the company, there was always a dialogue about, well, we need balance because we want to do the Metallica t-shirt, but we know they're not going to pay much. So we have to do the Cleveland Clinic website because they do pay a lot. So uh, like we had a, something called a portfolio policy, which is if you're working on a design project and you get really excited about it and you really want to do an amazing job, but you know you're, you're going to break the budget on it. We're okay with that. As a firm, we are going to say it's okay to break the budget because we think it's a great design opportunity. We want to have fun doing the design. This is why we live. So let's mm -hmm. sacrifice the money. But with that, the staff needs to understand that you're not going to make a ton of money at Go Media because we make decisions all the time that don't put more money in our pocket. Right. Um, but we all are also trying to figure that out all the time because we, you know, I'm not going to accept that I can't do what I love and make a lot of money too. So I'm trying to figure out how to do both still. So, but that's so a constant battle. Absolutely. So one thing you talked about really early on, it may even be in the introduction that I thought was really important is that you did talk about defining success because mm -hmm. success is different for everybody. Mm -hmm. um, can you just kind of touch on that just a little bit? I think I asked that as a question. Sure. Um, I, 
I was reading a biography of the, um, the uh, gosh, who was it? Uh, J.P. Morgan Chase. Mm. And the, 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 they basically started the whole banking industry and helped create the Fed and all these sort of things. And um, one of the things that struck me in that book was that at, at, their, at their bank, J.P. Morgan Chase, all their employees made like insane amounts of money for the time. They got paid so much money and they all died in their mid forties because they were all having heart attacks because they were working so hard. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you gotta, you know, what, what, what makes you happy? What, what, how you define, you know, uh, life and your goals and all these things. It's unique for every individual person. Everyone's on their own journey. And you need to sit down and kind of figure some of those things out. You know, I love to illustrate. I love money. Or Sorry, I love to illustrate. I love to draw. I love making art. Um, but let me tell you what. I mean, the first two years of my company, Graphic Odysseys, I just fell further and further and further into debt. Being able to just sell illustration alone, which is what I was trying to do the first two years, it's very tough to just sell illustration and make a living at it. And... Um, Certainly at some point I realized I'm not happy. I need to at least be making some kind of money. And so then I had to, you know, work that into my, my, my business is finding some place to make some profit. Um, I didn't want to give up the fun, cool art and illustration stuff, but you know, there needed to be a balance there. So, so yeah. And, and I think it can be psychologically helpful to think in these kind of broad terms mm-hmm. because you know, look, my brother's a chemical engineer. Uh, they, him and his buddy started their own company. Guess what? They make way more money than my design firm makes. But they're chemical engineers. They're not designers. So it's not fair for me to compare my business to his business because it's a totally different industry with totally different financials, totally different uh, sort of like standards for what those companies make and, you know, what those professionals get paid. I mean, for better or worse, mostly for worse, you know, graphic design is is got a lower barrier to entry. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of artists out there. Art and design can be very subjective. Mm-hmm. And, you know, let's face it, it's, you know, you're, you're, you're not a brain surgeon. You're not a rocket scientist. Like, the, just the industry is such that there's not gobs of money, you know, like everyone that's a designer is not making a lot of money. And that's just... That's just the reality of the industry. So you have to, you know, I think it's helpful to kind of keep that perspective that, you know. Well, and a lot of, right. A lot of the things we create aren't lifelong things, you know, I mean, maybe a brand, but sometimes a brand will refresh in 20 or 25 years, 50 years, something like that. But, but a brochure has to be refreshed in a year or six months yeah. or a, two right. years or something like that. So there's not even a website, you know, if it's still up four years later, it's going to look four years old. So yeah. it, it's kind of understanding where, where we are. So understanding what success is, there's a little bit of chat over in the, in the chat about gig posters and they don't want to give up doing which I totally get. But I guess I hear what I hear you saying is that if it's something that's going to help your portfolio, leave it in, do it, do the gig poster, but just know reality is that you're not going to make um, a living, right? (laughs) You're maybe not going to be sustainable as only making gig posters because a lot of times, you know, 
these bands don't have a lot of money for that unless you're working at a record label. Right. Um, those aren't where some of those things are. And I don't so. like to, to talk in absolutes. Maybe someone out there can make absolutely quarter million dollars a year doing nothing but gig posters. You know, Shepard Ferry certainly did very well making gig posters. So, you know, I never like to say it's impossible. In fact, I always like to say everything is possible. Right. If you can figure it out, go at it. You should definitely try and chase your dreams. But, you know, having a little bit of a slice of realism in there, you know, understanding that what you're trying to do is very difficult. Not a lot of people have done it. You know, it's just, it's, it's helpful to not put yourself into such a place where you're beating yourself up terribly over it. All right. So let's talk about that a little bit, because I know there have been times where you were like, Ooh, should I just go out and get a job? Right. Mm -hmm. Cause as an entrepreneur, you have to kind of make, um, decisions. You have to make a, you have to change the way you're thinking so that you can make money, especially if there's people that are working for you now. And I don't know if that's just, a, you know, if before you had people working for you, there was such a burden um, of just making what you needed because I know you would, when you would make a profit, you would just put the money back into the business. So sure. talk a little bit about maybe some of those um, struggles or some of those decisions and when you started shifting from that mainly illustration, when you, when you started working with Wilson, was that when the shift happened when you started doing more design? Uh, no, the shift happened before. So, um, so, so I, I, you know, I spent two years just trying to illustrate and specifically I was trying to become a comic book illustrator, which is a very specific niche. Bear in mind, I'm pretty old. So this was happening just as the comic book industry was actually collapsing. Mm-hmm. Marvel was near bankruptcy. Um, they hadn't come out with the first Spider-Man movie yet. So that whole cash that was being poured in through movies wasn't happening yet. They were even, even de- comic book illustrators that had years in the business were having a hard time finding work. Certainly my skills were not up to the level that I think they needed to be. And I was trying to get into it when it was collapsing. So on the side, I was doing other illustration work and, you know, after two years of just racking up debt and um, still living with my dad and I think my girlfriend dumped me and there was just all these things that all kind of hit me at once. And I was just like, what am I doing with my life? You know? So I actually did go get a corporate job for nine months. And, um, you know, there wasn't a day where I had that corporate job doing design work that I wasn't looking at the clock and feeling like this isn't me. This is not, this is, this is just not me. (laughs) Like, I'm an entrepreneur. And and so for me, then the shift was actually pretty small, but it was a pivot. And it was simply that, okay, I'm going to start selling design services, just traditional classic design services, branding, print design, web development. And I'm still going to try and infuse my illustration into all of that work, but I'm just going to abandon the pure illustration, comic book only dream and just start doing some other design work as well. Um, so, you know, two years, total failure, went and got a corporate job. But when I was working at my corporate job, I would come home in the evenings and I was laying the found work, the foundation to go back onto my own again. Hmm. So I went to a local bar that has bands that play there and offered to do free gig posters. And all I asked was that I could tag them with my information. And I, and I told her, and this is, will tell you, show you how naive I was at the time. I said, I'm going to do these for you for free, but if anybody asks, 
tell them that you paid me a hundred dollars a piece for them. <laughs> so I would spend two days you know, all evening long working on a gig poster, which I was doing for free. But then I put, you know, graphic odysseys. Here's my phone number. Here's my web address. Call me for design services. And the nice thing about that deal was those posters were being put all over town. Mm -hmm. I was doing these very intricate illustrations and um, I started getting phone calls. So it was a form of advertising for you. That's exactly what it was. That's all it was. I mean, of course, I was enjoying doing gig posters. I was illustrating, but it was totally about how do I get work going? And within nine months of me doing that, I had enough leads that I could pay for rent for, I think, two months or something. So I said, that's all I need to go out on my own. And then I knew the company I was wor working at. Um, I was the only, I was like a solo designer, basically. They didn't have a whole department. So I went to the owner of the company and said, I'd still like to do your design work for you, but I don't want to be your employee. I want you to pay me as an independent contractor because I'm starting my own design firm. And would you also continue to pay for my medical insurance? And he agreed. Wow. So I jumped ship. I had his work. He had probably a good six months of work lined up for me. He continued to pay for my health insurance, I think for about a year. And I had some work lined up through these posters and through some friends. And then began probably two to three years of struggle. Mm. But I was surviving. I was paying my bills. You know, I had to use credit cards sometimes to pay rent. But I found a way. And there was a number of days there where I would start working on my resume because I'm like, mm. I don't even have rent money. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'd be depressed. I'd start working on my resume. And then one little project would come in, just enough to keep me afloat. And just, you know, day after day, week after week, project by project, just slowly building the business. But I was paying myself nothing. I mean, you know. 16 to 18 hour days, four bucks an hour is what I calculated I was paying myself. I mean, I'd end the month and have like, you know, $400 rent check due. I didn't even have $400. So, you know, so yeah, it was a struggle, but. So you still made it though. There was something in yep. you that maybe you made your resume, but you didn't give up. And I think some people don't know when that is. And some people, um, they feel like such a failure that, am I just the loser that I have? I'm just, everybody's feeling bad for me, you know, that I just haven't given up on this dream or, but you knew you did go corporate and then you knew, but I think it's so great how you angled that, that said you were like, Hey, you know, I could still do your work for you, yeah. but you'll just be paying me as a contractor, which I thought was really, really smart. Yeah. So what were some of the benefits of having a partner? And then how did that kind of go? Cause you've gone through other partners you've had other partners in go media and then yeah talk about just uh the partnership and then we'll go from there sure well so first of all you know obviously i i had the idea that i wanted a partner and then the way i found wilson um is also why i chose him as a partner i guess first of all he hired me to illustrate uh, a gig poster for him basically rave flyer technically but um so here's some young kid who's out out doing things and he's running his own business to the degree that he's reaching out hiring me so that said something and then i would always be at the printer picking up work and i kept running into him at the print shop picking up work and then at the time i was also 
this is a whole other story, but uh, I was throwing parties. I was throwing events at, at nightclubs and he was throwing events at nightclubs. He was in Akron. I was in Cleveland. Um, but we kept running into each other at pr the print shop and we'd run into each other out on the streets passing out flyers. And the fact that I kept running into him and that he was hustling, I think that was the key thing. There was no other person that was kind of in my circle that I saw working quite as hard as he was working. And it was just like, that guy, he's doing it. Like, he's not talking about it. It's people, so many people talk about what they're going to do. This guy was just out doing it. And I just had such respect for that, that, you know, I was, I just started planting seeds, I like to call it. I just say, I'd see him in the print shop and I'd be like, hey man, one day you and I were going to open up a design firm together. And um, I just said that enough until it became reality. <laughs> um, but you know, the benefits of having partners is, can be huge. You know, we all have things that we're good at. And if you can find someone that is both passionate about um, and really good at doing things that are complementary to what you do, then now you've got, you know, economies of scale because you've got division of labor. So instead of me trying to do 10 things, I only have to do five things. And he's doing the other five things. And he's better at those other five things that I'm good at. So, you know, just off the top of my head, you know, Wilson is incredible when it comes to development and code. I mean, he is a programmer. He loves technology, IT stuff, like all that. I'm, I'm not good at that. You know, I'm just, it's just not my forte. And I just, yeah. So that was huge to have a web partner doing that kind of stuff. I love financials. He doesn't necessarily like financials. You know, um, I'm really good at the personality side of selling. He's really good at the technology side of selling. So, you know, um, and then honestly, just having a mate there in the office to keep you company because even an introvert gets a lonely if they're, you know, working by themselves all day long, every single day, you know, seven days a week. So, um, and then, you know, I guess I could, I guess you would say I got very lucky with Wilson because we just get along. We're comfortable with each other. We both recognize how hard the other one's working. We even like the same kind of music. So we could sit around the office and just play our music all day and night. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's mostly it. It's, it's mostly about division of labor. Mm. It's mostly about economies of scale and, um, you know, a little bit of support, another person's perspective. And, um, but, but partnerships are tough. Yeah. I mean, did you have an agreement going in like a written lawyer agreement? It was very simple. Uh, uh, no is the first, the short answer. Um, the agreement was very simple. Uh, you're a 50% owner. I'm a 50% owner. We're going to split our, our profits. Um, and then we did have to, after a short while, we did have to work in, actually this came later. We were both putting in so many hours. Yeah. But we were also making no money. So it wasn't there a lot to fight over, you know? Um, but yeah, here's the thing. If you have to involve lawyers mm. to figure out your partnership and to work well together, then that's probably not going to last. Right. Eventually we incorporated eventually. Yes. We had to get a lawyer and yes, everything got put officially on the books who owns what percentage, all these sorts of things. But you know, it, it's probably much like a good marriage. 
it should feel easy at the beginning. You should naturally be close friends. Hmm. You know what I mean? That needs to work before you go in front of, you know, uh, whatever your religious denomination is and say your vows, you know, like the partnership should be working naturally on its own first. But I love that you saw him out there hitting the street. It wasn't that he was your friend. It no, was he wasn't that my you friend at all. I didn't know him. Right. He was just your, your print shop. He was my, yeah, he was my employer first. He was right. a client first. Right. And then, uh, yeah. But that, that, that was the thing that attracted you was his hustle and his uh, his love for the business and that y'all kept seeing. It wasn't, and, and I think maybe this is where it gets sticky. I think sometimes designers are just really good friends and they're, maybe they even design similarly and they come together and then there's not enough work because they're doing very similar things. So, yeah, I mean... Yeah, and not that those not that those business partnerships can't work, but you may be duplicating skill sets that you've already got. Right. So if both of you are good at drawing and neither of you are good at financials, it's going to be a tougher right business partnership than if both partners and just it just worked out. I mean, we just I just got I just feel like we got lucky. Both of us got lucky in that we both had complementary skill sets and, you know, so when, how do you start hiring at, at what point were y'all partners that you had a, your own space or were you working in your apartment or like, can you fill people so in I was, on that? Uh, I was renting the first floor of a duplex at the time that Wilson uh, joined and he would drive up from Akron and at some point his girlfriend dumped him. So then he just moved in with me. So we were both living and working out of the first floor of a duplex. And that was kind of the working relationship in terms of hiring. Even before I partnered with Wilson, I tried to hire several people. Um, I was charging so little hmm. and um, making so little that my experience with hiring people is, you know, I would just work myself to death and just scrape together every penny I could. And slowly I would build up my bank account. And when my bank account would hit about $10,000, I would be feeling really good about my business and myself. So then I'd be like, you know, more people will mean more profit. Having employees will make me more money. Like that's the story that we tell ourselves. That's most people, what people think of business, like bigger is better, bigger is more profitable. Those are both total myths. One has nothing to do with the other. Mm -hmm. You can be insanely profitable and very, very small. You can be extremely huge and horribly unprofitable. Um, but in, that's what I had in my mind. So I thought that I needed to hire people so once I had reached about that $10,000 mark where I was like, hey, I got money, we're growing, you know, let me hire people. I'd hire someone in and of course I would try and pay them something close to some livable wage, but I was charging so little for my design services that I was losing money on that employee. Mm -hmm. So I'd slowly watch the bank account sink down and down and down and down until I was completely out of money and then I'd have to tell them, sorry, I have to lay you off, I'm out of money. And then I repeated that about three times where I would personally save up money, hire someone, run out of money, fire them, save up money, hire someone, run out of money, fire them. So, so how did you break that cycle? Because at some point you have to start valuing your, your work, which is going to cover their costs. And what was that first position? Was it someone or, or maybe after you went through that cycle, what were the positions that you were hiring for? 
was it just another designer or was it a project management? Yeah. Or? Uh, um, designers. I, you know, I, I definitely carried the burden of the day-to-day business operations for quite a while. So HR, taxes, you know, um, bookkeeping, sales, proposal writing, all that stuff was uh, project management. All that stuff was me for a long time. Probably the first four or five hires were just graphic designers. Um, but certainly then there was that moment where I'm like, gosh, I'd like to get some of these other responsibilities off my shoulders because I'd like to be able to spend more time designing. So the first person that I hired in that was not a designer was kind of a combo role. They were doing project management. They were doing just general office work. They were helping with sales, with proposal writing. So it was, it was kind of like a lot of things that I needed help with. So at, um, how did you get out of that other cycle? Like what did you change uh, something? Cause you have a whole yes. a chapter in here on pricing, which That's it. I, yeah. Charge more money, make more <laughs> money. <laughs> that, that was it. Um, so what was it a mindset that you had to get past that you had to charge more or did you realize the, the value that you were bringing or did you talk to other people and say, Hey, they're charging blah, blah for, a branding thing and we're only charging this. So just to play sure. in the same. For me at the time, it was just about raising my rates. It was just about asking for more. Mm-hmm. And that is a psychological barrier that can be tough to get through. We tend to think that we know mm-hmm. what we're worth, what we think the industry will bear, what the market will bear, but we're actually pretty bad judges of that, I think. And our mm-hmm. own uh, self doubts and insecurities have us ask for so much less than what we can actually get. Um, so I think most designers, most young entrepreneurs just need to ask for like, whatever you think you're asking for, like double it or triple it. I guarantee you, you're not even close to what you could, should be making. Um, later on, you know, there's a lot to be said for how many leads you're generating, how you're marketing, um, how you're selling, that can impact how much you can charge. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, but it's something you have to start, uh, um, noticing that or, and taking account of how many leads I was generating this month and what were you, you know, you have to, you can't, it can't just be in the ether. You're thinking you have more, you're doing more things, right? I mean, you have to kind of start or maybe not um, Did you start analyzing that stuff at all. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, Cause you talk about Google AdWords as being yeah. a great, um, a worker bee, right? So let me, maybe it'd be easier for me to just kind of like give you the, like, here's what you got to, where you got to go. Okay. And not necessarily talk so much about what I did because it was a very windy road path that I took to, to figure all this stuff out. Um, here's the thing. Cause I, I jotted some notes down here. Um, trying to find the question that you asked you're me. just you're just um <laughs> make anticipate and the anticipation yeah, yeah, yeah. anticipation no okay. totally fine Here, okay so here's the here's the statement that i wrote it's hard to negotiate when your rent is due <laughs> okay this is where i think a lot of small business owners certainly designers find themselves regularly 
here you have a lead, you're trying to close a deal, you're trying to get as much money as you can, but you got bills to pay and you're nervous about paying those bills. And securing that work is very important to you. So you're sitting there psychologically in your own head going, what price do I think they're going to say yes to? Mm -hmm. That's the most that I can get, but that I can guarantee that they'll say yes. That is a bad way to be setting your pricing because you are at the mercy of what you hope they can pay. And you're probably a bad judge of what they're willing to pay. And so you're probably undercutting yourself by a lot. And then that becomes cyclical because you're not getting enough on the lead that you just sold. So then you're still in desperate financial need when you get the next lead. Mm -hmm. um, the easiest and best way to break that is you need to be doing a better job with your marketing so that you're generating more leads because mm. it's very easy to ask for more money when you've got more leads than you can keep up with. Mm -hmm. But that's really the struggle I think most people have is how do I get in enough leads that I'm not worrying about where the next project is coming from. And that's where your marketing comes in. And this is also a mixed bag of things that you need to do to help yourself generate more leads. But you know, you need to start there. And, and this goes to the hiring component of uh, the hiring conversation. You know, if you think that you can hire your way to profitability, you're absolutely wrong. Hmm. You need to figure out how to be very profitable as a one man shop to the degree that it, there's overwhelming evidence that you can hire someone and afford them. So you need to be making so much profit that you're like, I just need help. I got all these leads. I got all this money rolling in. The bank accounts are super, help, super healthy. I need to hire someone. That's the position you should be in. You should definitely not be in a scraping by. Maybe if I had more staff, I would be profitable. No, there's something wrong with your business model if you're not, and the term I keep using, wildly profitable. It's mm. sort of where you feel like you need to be. So you need to figure out how to be wildly profitable as a one-man shop before you start thinking about growing. Um, so yeah, uh, Google AdWords. So, you know, depending on your business model, um, Google AdWords might be very effective. I spoke earlier about having more of a strategic approach. Mm -hmm. If you have a highly strategic approach and you're going after a very specific market and you're going to create marketing campaigns around that, you know, uh, you need to market in whatever way is the best way to reach people that you think are going to be your customers. Mm -hmm. So media, because we stayed kind of generic, we are kind of the catch all design firm for Cleveland, Ohio. It's kind of, you know, how I think of us in that case, Google AdWords is great. I mean, look, Google, any pay-per-click advertising system, Google being the biggest one is basically the yellow pages. Mm -hmm. you think back if you're old enough and you can think back to being a child, and you wanted to order pizza, what did you do? You went and grabbed the yellow pages off the shelf, and you opened it up, and whoever had the biggest ad, you'd be like, oh, Domino's. That was who was the big, the biggest ad usually, right. yellow pages, right? Um, and you ordered a pizza from there. So here's what everybody needs to do. If web searches is where they're trying to find their customers, the very first thing you need to do is you need to sit down and you need to jot down what are the search terms that I think my customers are typing into Google? What's the keyword? For us, Cleveland Web Design is the number one search term that people search for that's going to give me leads that is going to make me profitable. Now, 
you need to go onto your web browser, you need to open up an incognito window, and you need to refresh so you clear out all your cookies. This is gonna allow you to get real natural search results. If you do this without using the incognito mode, it's gonna taint the results, mm -hmm. right? Um, skew them in your direction because it knows who you are. And then you need to type that search term and you need to figure out where you are. Hmm. Are you on page one? Are you on page eight? Are you on page 20? Because if you're on page 20, there's a reason why you're not getting any leads. Um, then you need to try and start optimizing your website for those keywords. So you need to try and improve your overall search ranking and your natural search results. In addition to that, you need to go around and make sure that you've got a listing on every web platform that lists businesses. So start with Google My Business. It's free. You go in there, you put all your, your data in there, and that you know when you go search for something in a locality, like I need a plumber in Cleveland, that map comes up and it shows all the listings and it shows all the pins on the map. That's the Google My Business profile. It's totally free. You can go set one up, put all your information in there, um, and then if you want to be in the yellow pages, which I think every business needs to be in the yellow pages, that is Google AdWords. And it's an amazing system. If you're not familiar with it, it allows you to demarcate a region. So heck, I only want my ads to run in Northeast Ohio. It allows you to demarcate um, times when you want your days and times. Like I only want my ads to run Monday through Friday, only during business hours. Um, you put in the exact keywords that you want to, your ads to show up as, you set a budget. You can set the budget um, for a campaign or a day or a specific ad. You can pay, tell them how much you want to pay per click, um, or you can just set a big budget and say, hey, I'm willing to spend 20 bucks a day. Um, you have finite control over when and how your ads show. You can even set up conversion tracking where Google AdWords will see when someone has filled out a quote request form on your website, and it will see where that lead came from, what ad they clicked on. Um, it's got all this data in there so that it figures out how to optimize the ads it's running for you so that it has more conversions so that you're maximizing your investment um, towards leads. Um, and the most beautiful thing about it for, for me and uh, our business here is that um, it runs 24-7 without my daily interaction with it. Yes, there is a setup. There's a bit of a learning curve. It is quite a sophisticated system. Um, whether you hire someone else to do it or decide to learn it yourself. Um, but once you go through that process of getting it set up and getting it running and it's generating leads for you, at that point, you know, two weeks might go by where I'm not doing any other marketing and I'm just designing all day long for two weeks. But that's running, doing my marketing for me in the background. And that's what I need to have happening because if that's not running, I'm not an extrovert. It's not in my nature to go out and network and try and sell myself and even to promote myself. It's not natural for me, but that thing's running, generating leads for me while I'm doing other things. And so, that's what you need. So then you feel like because of that, because you have it, it, the pressure is off, then you can hire somebody to do some of those other kind of jobs that are on your plate. And then you can spend time designing, which how long have you been using Google AdWords? Um, you know, we've been using them probably for a good, like 12 years, but I would say that, um, so I kind of had them on and running, but I wasn't really paying much attention to them. Mm -hmm. And that was going on for about, let's say like seven years. And then this 
firm came along and they're like, they were a marketing firm. They pitched me on how they were going to take over my Google AdWords management and they were going to do a better job with it and generate more leads with the same amount of cash. And it didn't make much sense to me because I'm like, how can I pay the same amount out? They're going to need to take their cut and yet somehow I'm going to get more leads, but they wowed me with all this magical algorithm, whatever, <laughs> it, you know, they told me somehow they could do better. So I, I signed up with them and sure enough, my leads dropped off horribly. They did the exact opposite of what they told me they were going to do. And it was kind of this moment where I was like, up to this point, um, you know, uh, I had not focused on the marketing. I had mm -hmm. not focused on generating a really solid sales team. And I think at that moment it was like, wow, like I was scraping by Google AdWords kind of running. I wasn't really focusing on marketing. The company was kind of stumbling along. We'd have repeat customers. We'd have repeat, you know, we'd get referrals now and then we had the Google AdWords thing happening, but I never really focused on it a hundred percent because, you know, as I said earlier, I was a designer. I liked to design. That was my first thing. And so I was like, I have got to get committed to this. And so mm. I fired that company and that's when I made a major commitment. I probably spent three months solid where I was just optimizing our website, figuring out the keywords we needed to perform well for, studied Google AdWords, put a lot of time in there to make sure all that stuff was dialed in. And then I poured a bunch of money into it. I started spending a lot of money on it. And I'm like, I got to make this marketing work. And I was able to take, you know, I think prior to this marketing company coming in, you know, we were generating about seven to 15 leads in a month. Then this marketing company came in and we were generating between like three and seven leads a month. Mm. And we were losing money. It was horrible. And then by the time I get done doing all my SEO work and optimizing Google AdWords and, and making a big commitment financially to it, you know, we were getting like 35 to 45 leads a month. So wow. yeah. And, and that's, that's where we are today. Um, the other nice thing about the, the bill method. Yeah. <laughs> well, a lot of people are doing this. There's nothing unique about what I'm doing. With I know, but that you didn't hire somebody. You didn't have. You didn't hire a strategist to come on board. No. You didn't. You saw that what you were doing was even better. And if you you also know, I think this is the entrepreneur, is that somebody else is doing it. If they did it, I am not that stupid. I can figure it out too. You know, it, it's not a genius. They have books. They have. Yes. The, you can do this if you're a dummy book, you know, yeah. like they, yeah. and sometimes those are really good resources, Yeah. but there's lots of free things out there too. People do webinars. You just have to be yeah. in tune. So we have a couple questions coming in. So Jason sure. Craig wants to know how does social media strategy come into play in your marketing plan? Um, so I think it's very important. So, you know, when I recognized that we were, our marketing was doing a horrible job and I needed to focus on SEO work for um, our website um, and my ability to turn that around very quickly was largely due to the fact that we already had mad traffic coming to our website. Mm -hmm. So, um, and that's because we love to show off the design work that we did and because we were trying to be a kind of illustration centric firm, we pushed tons of that work onto our portfolio. And by the way, that's the best way to get work of any particular type. 
put the work in your portfolio that you want to do. Mm. That's how people find you and that's why they hire you to do that work. If you want to be an illustrator, but there's no illustration work in your portfolio, nobody's going to hire you to do illustration work because they never associated that with you. Um, so, um, so, so we had a, a third partner we brought on board. This was several years after Wilson and I were together. Jeff Finley, most of you probably might be familiar with him. He started WMC Fest and um, was pivotal in us building the Arsenal, which is our product store. Um, fortunately for us, Jeff is a very social guy. You know, the people have got motivators like money, power, fame. Jeff's is clearly fame. So, <laughs> you know, with regards to the partnerships and division of labor, I was really good at the business systems. Wilson could code. Jeff was our marketing guy. He worked really hard because it was in his nature to work that way when it came to social media stuff. So we developed a blog where we were writing articles talking about the sort of work that we did. Um, people would come to our websites just because they loved our illustration and our design work. So we had all this traffic there and this really helps bring a lot of traffic to your site, which helps your SEO, all those blog articles that we wrote, all those tutorials that we wrote. Those are certainly incredibly powerful for SEO that helps drive traffic and awareness to your website. So, um, and to, even today, we publish new blog articles related to design all the time. Um, Heather, uh, she is, uh, well, you know Heather, Heather Sakai. Okay. So she wears about 10 hats here at Go Media. She runs WMC Fest. She runs our blog. She runs the Arsenal. She runs Mock Up Everything and Sure Mock Up. Um, and she, she is also someone that's very natural in the world of social media. So it helps to have someone that likes to do that stuff. Um, so it's definitely a part of the marketing puzzle. Mm -hmm. All right. So Brian asked a question. He also, he's a design firm in Kansas and he says, um, what's a big financial commitment when you're talking about Google AdWords, $20 a day, $500 a month, $2,000 a month. Like what do you consider big for y'all? Um, we're spending $3,500 a month on Google AdWords. So back when you started, when you took it back from the other people, were, were you playing with it first to see? I think, I think at the time prior to that other marketing company came in, I think maybe I was spending $500 a month on Google AdWords. And I think they continued to take that 500. And then after I got rid of them and I took it back over, I think I started spending like 1500 to 2000 on it. And then, um, and then as I saw it was working, I just kept ramping it up. And so then as it ramps up, because this is where the scale comes in, you have, instead of turning business away, um, I mean, I'm sure you're turning some business away because sometimes it's just not a good fit, but you're hiring people because you, and you're hiring people in all different, I mean, Go Media is not just you and Heather, you know, right. um, there's other designers, there's yeah. project managers, there's, mm -hmm. you know, all kinds of people. So how does, how do you decide and, and is there, do you know who's going to be number nine and who's number 10? Like what positions those are? And then after that, do you, do you look down the road of what number 11 is? You know, it, cause if, if it's me, I'm thinking I need another, I need another designer to do something yeah. so that I can do some of the other stuff. Cause I feel like you have to have somebody to 
take yeah. direction and things like that. So that may be where some people are, but some people have the coder already and they have right. somebody on video. Right. I wouldn't say that I ever sat down and mapped it out and knew that. I mean, it, it was more organic than that. Mm -hmm. Certainly when you're first getting started, I'm a designer and I don't have enough time to keep up. It's more designers that I need, you know, um, certainly once you get to about five or six employees, at that point, a project manager starts to make sense. You're like, okay, you know, I'm a designer. I like to design, but we've got five other people here in the office now, and I'm spending all my time just making sure that these projects are running smoothly. Mm -hmm. If I could just have someone do that, then I can go back to designing. Mm -hmm. So it, it was hiring at moments of, I have a specific need. I think we have enough work to fill a person's day with that. Um, and you can also hire a person part-time. Like, let's say you need some help with some bookkeeping. But the bookkeeping is really only going to need to be done once a week. You could go find someone and hire them part-time to come in one day a week to do your books and pay your bills for you. You know, like, you can handle it that way. Um, I tended to just clump responsibilities together. So, mm -hmm. I, you know, that first PM hire, I didn't have enough PMing need for one person all day long, every single day. But if I threw in paying the bills and um, answering the phones and helping write proposals and taking notes when I'm at a sales meeting, now I do have enough jobs there that right. I can give it to someone. Right. Certainly at the beginning, you're just gonna hire more designers. So, okay, so we have a couple more questions. I know we didn't finish. Mm -hmm. We'll just have to do a part okay. two sometime. I love That's you, Bill, so I'm, I'm Okay, because I don't want to take up all your day, but I want to okay. get these two people's questions. Sure, sure. All right, so Brian asked, well, do you put marketing budget towards promotions on Instagram? And okay, we have three questions now. Okay. Um, towards Instagram and Facebook. Is, are, are you just really focused on Google AdWords? And I, I know it's just you, and this is one specific that, you know, sure. again, everybody has to kind of take this in tow, but yeah. this is something that's worked for you. Are you not only doing promotions and doing the blog and things like that, are you also spending money on, I mean, I think it has to do with your audience, right? Yeah. I mean, bear in mind, most of the people on, most of the people on Facebook and it's changing, it's becoming more business centric, but Facebook traditionally is, um, social. It's, 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 um, it's more consumer based. It's more like, um, you know, I'm going out to a restaurant tonight. Design services tend to be more B2B at least the ones that pay well. Yeah, you can find some one on Facebook that wants their wedding invitation designed and that's where you might find that person. If you're trying to find uh, marketing, the chief marketing manager for Progressive Insurance, they're not looking for the design firm on Facebook. Right. So, but they might be looking on Google. Um, and again, it's changing. I'm not saying, and again, you know, your marketing, and this is where the whole strategy stuff comes into play where mm -hmm. I was talking earlier, like, who is your market and where do they live? Um, Google currently handles something close to 80% of all web searches done everywhere on the entire internet. So yeah, you can worry about Facebook and Instagram and Bing and all those, but you know what? Google's got enough for you. So right. why, why try and worry about those others? Now, Facebook is nice right now that it is more cost effective. It's cheaper to run ads on Facebook. You get a bigger ROI but that's just one more thing to do. So we do use uh, Facebook for the appropriate marketing for that. So an event, like we're throwing a 
fundraising event for the Center for Arts Inspired Learning. We're going to market that on Facebook, not Google, because that's where people are looking to go to events. Right. Um, lots of designers are on Facebook and Instagram and all that, so we market the arsenal and stuff through those. Right. But when I'm looking for my corporate clients that are going to be able to afford to pay me uh, $5,000 for a logo or $25,000 for a website, I'm not putting those ads on Facebook because I don't think that's where they're shopping. Right. It's not. They're not expecting to find their um, design firm there. Yeah. Now, bear in mind, I do. I certainly do. Every time we post a new portfolio item, I throw it in Facebook because you never know who's going to bump into that. But if we're talking about where I'm going to spend my money, that's a little different. Right. All right. So Jeremy asked, Jeremy's, he works at the Boys and Girls Club in North Carolina. Um, do you see a stark difference in your digital marketing in certain areas? For example, do you have more traffic from mobile users or desktop laptop users? Or, and then do you change up your tactics depending on your user's experience? Um, no. What you're, he's describing is pretty sophisticated. We're not even that sophisticated about it, honestly. <laughs> um, you know, Google AdWords are just little text ads. That's all they are. They pretty much show up the same way, whether it's on a, you know, a cell phone or mm -hmm. a, and no, I'm not creating a differently looking, I'm not creating different text ad because I think someone's looking at it on their phone. This, this is important for certain industries. Um, right. You know, we worked on a search project for a big fortune 500 industrial company and we absolutely needed to bear in mind what the user experience was for the person on the job site trying to find a part for their crane on a mobile phone versus what that experience is on a desktop. Mm -hmm. But for design, for a simple you know, design services ad, no, it, it didn't really impact my thinking. All right, so last question is Jason Craig. Have you ever considered hiring a CEO type position so you could design and not worry about the business side? I think... I think you love the business side. I do. Yeah. I, I really do. Yeah, it has crossed my mind. Certainly, I have this. So I have this sort of fantasy. I don't want to. I have a. I have a future plan for myself. And someday, when I'm in maybe my, maybe my mid sixties, um, I'll still design, but I might not show up to work every day. You know, I might. I might come into work two or three days a week, do some design work, and then I'm going to assume that I own multiple other businesses that I go do work at those other businesses too. Um, at that point, if I'm going to step away from the day-to-day -day management of the company, I will absolutely need to hire someone to do the day-to-day -day running of the company. Certainly there were moments when we were being unsuccessful where we were not making money that I'm like, I clearly don't know what I'm doing. I should really go hire someone to do this for me. But then again, I've watched so many other managers or people running businesses do such a terrible job that I don't know if I hired someone, they would do much of a better job than me, quite frankly. <laughs> so, right. um, but yeah, I think it gets back to um, what you said, which is I, I, I still, I still love that. And I actually think it's a nice balance. The fact that I can spend 50% of my day designing, you know, 10% of my day um, plan, doing strategy and planning, 10% of my day doing financials, 10% of my day, doing sales, you know, like I enjoy all those other parts of it. And so, you know, yeah, I think it's a good balance for me. Well, I am excited. I think hopefully you've given people hope that they can actually do it. 
you they have can. got <laughs> what did you say <laughs> they can yeah, yeah. but it's i think doable. one of the things another one of your superpowers i think is that you uh, you see a problem you attack it you learn you're a constant learner you really are really um curious mm -hmm. as well as creative and you're like i think i can i can learn about this and i i don't think that um I feel like that is something that sometimes we don't give ourselves the credit that we can figure something out. And I think as designers, we're problem solvers. So we yeah. should, we should be able to do this, even if it's yeah. Google AdWords. But like you said, it took three months. You were like, I was doing better than those people. Right. You know, and they, they sold you on it. So they were great salespeople, but yeah. really not good at doing right. what they said they were right. going to do. And then you took three months. You really dug into it. You committed. And I think that's another one of your superpowers. And we didn't really get into this, and we, we'll have to do it next time. But it is these long-term goals. It wasn't that it was just a six-month goal you had. You had a 10-year, 15, 20-year. You're, you know, 60. We're nowhere near 60, <laughs> right. you know? So... <laughs> I mean, I guess it's it's thinking about life in the future and having mm -hmm. that plan, but also kind of being able to take make decisions today to help you with that plan in the future. Yeah. Well, thank all you. Right. Those are all three kind things you're saying about me. Well, you have lots of superpowers, and I think <laughs> I I can't wait to have you back to finish finish this uh, up. So, because I had tons, I took tons of notes. Yeah, um, I actually was writing like little. Uh, I was jotting in little answers. So yeah, I, we didn't get through half the question. No, so. no we will <laughs> just have to have you okay, back. We'll have a part two. I'd be happy to come back. <laughs> okay, that'd be great. All right. So I want to make sure everybody knows how to get in touch with you if they need to, or if they want to. So I want first, I want to tell them how they can get your book. And I really do. I, it's easy read. You feel like he's just talking to you. It's not like super businessy, heady, but you're mm -hmm. definitely. It it feels like Bill's just talking to it. There are actually some things that are super funny as well um so get ready for that so you can follow go media most of these are all i think bill's posted once on instagram on his thing so i'm not putting that one in there but if you want to go to go media g-o-m-e-d-i-a.com you can see everything you can yeah. read the blog you can get, visit the arsenal which again is another it's so that all of the um all your eggs aren't in one basket. He has diversified, which hopefully we'll get to talk about that next time. Mm -hmm. And then on Twitter, Facebook, and on Twitter, it's go underscore media. And also on Instagram, go underscore media. And then on Facebook, it's just go media. So you guys mm -hmm. can catch up and see what's going on. Um, you guys have done podcasts. You've WMC Fest. You've always... You're always trying to improve. You're always, you're changing. You do try a lot of things, which I think is another one of your superpowers. You're not afraid to fail. I think me and you had talked about that. Like, That's huge. Absolutely. So I can't wait for part two. Thank yeah. you so much for kicking off this month of scaling your business. And I appreciate you sharing some of your insight and wisdom in Thank over 20 years. Me. Of course. Anytime. Okay. Um, and guys, just next week, we have Wilson Lemieux. He is in Texas. He is um, has grown. He does a lot of video uh, work. So it may be a little different, but um, going you can't always do all the video work yourself. So he's done some commercials that are regional in Texas. So I hope you guys will join me for Wilson's 
talk next week. So if you're more in that stage, Bill's maybe a little further down the road, but very attainable. And, um, but maybe Wilson's maybe he's been doing it for about three years. So that kind of gives you an idea. So we're doing different things the whole month. Um, trying to talk about how people have grown whatever they're doing. Some people are growing communities and their business comes along with it. Some people are, have a, a, lot, a lot of years under their belt already and have learned a lot from all the trips and falls and like um, that Bill has done. But I think of you as really successful. And one of the things for me is that you're still able to design. So to me, that is a success factor. And you really did talk in the book. You kind of broke it up. And I'm just going to read this last thing if I can find it on my thing. Success to you means sustainable, which I thought was great that that was the first one. Profitable, relevant, earning respect from your peers, and that you're happy doing your job. And those are all things that you kind of talk about in the book and you, you yep. broke, broke it down. So I hope you guys get the book. Let me um, put, oh, I think I put it up there, but I'm going to put it up there one more time. It's just an Amazon link. Um, you can also uh, buy it through the Arsenal. Okay, get it, get it through the Arsenal. I'll find that link and it'll be in the, um, but it's drawn, D-R-A-W-N, if anybody's listening, to business. And it's William Beachy. So don't write Bill in if you're trying to get it on Amazon because <laughs> it won't come up. Um, anyway, thank you so much. And if you guys want to get in touch with me, you can always email me at diane at com. And hopefully I'll see you next week.